Welcome to Election Profit Makers, the spookiest podcast about winning and losing treats on political outcomes and current events. My name is Kid Midas, the original Crypt Keeper, and I'm joined on the line by Long John Dracula Silver, the blood-sucking maniac. Blood-sucking maniac, yes. Happy Halloween to everyone out there in podcast land. (laughs) Hey, everyone. I finally came up with my Halloween costume. I know it's really last minute. We are recording this on Halloween, October 31st, the last day of October. All right, so ask me what my Halloween costume is. Um, what's your Halloween costume? Great. Actually, let's do it more a conversational way. Like, okay, all right. We'll do like right. a little scene, like we're at the coffee shop. One large October pumpkin latte, please. Hey, John, how are you? Hey, I'm great. Are you uh, doing anything for Halloween? Well, I just came up with my costume. I know it's last minute, but I think it's a pretty good costume. What is it? Well, John, I'm in a... Cover myself in human shit and go as the year 2023. How's about that, everybody? Oh, okay. All that right. sounds like appropriate. That? Yeah, yeah. What are you going to go as for Halloween? It's been a year. I don't dress up for Halloween. Oh, my God. It's not that I'm too cool. It's not that I don't like Halloween. It's just that I... I, ne- I mean, did your parents dress up for Halloween? Yeah, we. they dressed up. We have an immortal no. photo of my mom dressed up as Princess Leia and my dad dressed up as Obi-Wan Kenobi at the heart no. of Star Wars fever. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. They also did in a very Episcopalian type of dress up party, which was a hymn party where everybody dresses up as their favorite hymn from the hymnal. Oh, I kind of like that. Yeah, that's good stuff. Hymn-based in costume parties. the bleak midwinter. That's what I would dress up as. You would be a good bleak yeah. midwinter. That's a good costume for you. Yeah, that is a good costume. You know, you can tell that winter is coming because, sorry, we'll get back to the costumes in a second. I just, just popped in my head. The, the dew point is really low now. <clears throat> and when you scroll on your phone, it's like, it doesn't slide as well. It's just not as much moisture in the air. You don't feel that? You mean your phone is like squeaking or like... Yeah, it's not quite... It just doesn't slide as well. It's just... It's just... Uh, oh, you mean your finger across the screen. Right, right. Oh, because your phone it's, isn't moist enough. Yeah, I've noticed... It, I just noticed it today for the first time. I'm like, oh, that cold front that came in. It's uh, kind of... That could be your costume. You could go as a moist phone. Okay, okay. That's Go right. to the you Halloween know, Superstore and see if they have the moist phone costume package. All right. I'll do that. I have a um, skeleton, one of these uh, body suits that you wear that I, I, I've i worn in the past. Skeleton is probably one of the scariest things that we all have one of inside of us at all times. You ever think about that? I hadn't thought about yeah. that. Skeletons. All right. Let's start the episode. The name of the podcast is Election Horror Crypt Keeper bloodbaths. John has prepared a beautiful outline for this week's episode with many, many topics. And the number one topic, according to John, has to do with North Carolina <laughs> politician and TikTok video star Jeff Jackson. As we are usually too distraught to discuss, the North Carolina GOP has enacted a horrific gerrymander, which has eliminated some Democratic districts including Jeff Jackson's, in the Republicans' continuing war to disenfranchise voters rather than try to win elections on policies. And Jeff Jackson is one of the victims. 
but he does have a plan. Does have a plan. He doesn't consider himself a victim. He is going to fight back. And he has released a video and a press release this week announcing that he is going to be running for the attorney general of North Carolina, which we know that Josh Stein, Chapel Hill High School graduate, currently is and is running for governor. So maybe that'll be a stepping stone for Jeff Jackson to one day be governor. Your ultimate fantasy. My ultimate fantasy. Yeah. 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 So here we go. I'm going to, I'd like to play this video. You haven't watched it. I haven't watched it. I've saved myself for this episode. Okay. Family is ready. All right. Ready. Ready. Okay. Stand by. Oh boy. Got some news for you. A group of politicians in North Carolina just redrew my congressional district to take me out. They're going to replace me with one of their political allies. That's political corruption. And I've got news for them. I'm running for attorney general and I'm going to use that job to go after political corruption. Oh, shit. It's going to be a fight. Wait, what? Oh, there are hell people yes. Who mean you harm. The job is about standing he's between he's you and ring. them. His muscles are really big. I'm going to take some hits. <laughs> but it also means fighting back. <laughs> I've been a prosecutor in a courtroom and a soldier in Afghanistan. Oh, he's coming for you. He's coming for I'm you. A husband and a father. And I am the last person corrupt politicians want to see as attorney general. Is he in his kitchen? Because Green I don't care room. what party they're okay. in. It's got nothing to do with parties. But it's about really doing what's fighting, right. right? Or do you think that's... I think so, yeah. Organized crime that targets your bank account, fentanyl, that targets our kids, corporations that break the rules with price gouging or polluting our water. Let's go. <laughs> Campaign starts today. We're going across the whole state. That was a right no matter hook to where that you live, we want you to be a part of it. And our whole family is ready. 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 Okay, Jeff Jackson coming out swinging literally and figuratively in the Democratic race for Attorney General. John, how did that video make you feel? Oh, boy. I'll tell you the juxtaposition between the robot. Uh, AI, Jeff Jackson, and then the Jeff Jackson doing MMA boxing. Uh-huh. It's pretty, pretty, pretty abrupt. I don't know. <laughs> I, th- I thought it was a, a, a bit much. My note is why was there not the hardest rocking music ever recorded playing when he was boxing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. COC. Oh my God. When Jeff Jackson gets the coveted corrosion of conformity endorsement for attorney general, yeah. It's over for those hoes in the GOP. So I think I think he'll win. I think he'll win. Yeah. I mean, because he can raise so much money because people love this stuff. Is he still popular on TikTok? Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are you going to give him money? Uh, I don't think he needs any money, but but um, I'll uh, I'll volunteer for him. Go knock on some doors. And when I say knock on doors, I mean knock down doors with your boxing gloves and just beat yeah. the shit out of everybody and tell them to vote for Jeff Jackson or the beatings will get even worse. Yeah. But you're right. He is tough. You said that once before. You were like, yeah, he's in the army. He's tough. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. But uh... number one rule of politics, folks, if you're in the army, you're tough. OK. <laughs> All right. John, it seems the next item on our outline is fashion. I'm intrigued by this. You want to talk about fashion? So. You know, I follow this guy. I've mentioned it before, this menswear expert on uh, Twitter. 
And this has been making the rounds on TikTok for a few weeks. People that believe that Ron DeSantis has these cowboy boots that they don't quite fit. And they Mm. believe that Ron DeSantis is wearing lifts. Mm. And um, when this menswear guy, who I really respect, got involved and, and decided to do his own analysis, he said, yeah, I think it does look like he's wearing lifts. So I just thought I'd bring it up and ask if you, does it even matter that Ron DeSantis is wearing lifts? It absolutely matters. Really? Of it does. But, but Trump also is wearing lifts. But it doesn't matter because Trump's brand is shamelessness and vanity and destroying all norms. Okay. Ron DeSantis is such a tryhard. His swagger is so synthetic and desperate and sweaty. And his war against the woke mob of Disney is, is so transparently goofy and dumb right. that I think the lifts are just another example of like, who, who is this the thirstiest motherfucker of all time? Who is this guy trying to fool with his weird cowboy boots that have like a 45 degree angle that just goes on for miles and miles? It looks like he's wearing like fucking water slides on his feet. It looks so weird once you see it. You can't unsee it. No, it's very clear. There's just no toe there. There's There's no toe there, y'all. There's just no toe there. Yeah, that toe is way back in the shoe. Who knows where that toe is? Would you Have you ever worn... I'm sure you've never worn lifts. That's true, but I used to have some Kenneth Cole dress. Let's go back to the '90s, guys. I used to have some Kenneth Cole dress shoes that I think, looking back on it, had an unusually thick heel. Yeah. And when I wore those, I felt like a million bucks because I was like six eight, stomping around in those Kenneth Coles. Kenneth Cole, for those people who are young, they used to be a very cool brand in the '90s. I think. Shout out to Details Magazine. Imagine looking through Details Magazine and seeing an ad for Kenneth Cole. Probably has Ben Stiller on the cover promoting the cable guy. And then you open up and then you open up the D- Details Magazine and there's an ad for Kenneth Cole. And then you look down at your feet and you're wearing the exact same shoes and you're six foot nine. That's a peak 90s yeah. experience. You know? Yeah. No, in the 90s, I had a pair. I feel like it was Skechers. I don't know if those were cool or not or if they're cool now. But I feel like I had a pair of Skechers that had a huge heel like that as well that made me an inch at least taller yeah. than I am. And then I went and bought like the thickest Dr. Scholl's <clears throat> insoles. Wow. And it was like, I got it. And again, we're tall. We're and, tall. But the feeling of being taller Ugh, than you normally nothing, are. Nothing compares to feeling taller than you've ever felt relative to your own height. Yeah. So that's why I kind of don't blame him. Well, the que- I mean, the big question is, if he's been wearing lifts in his boots his entire life, then yeah, that's just fine. Good for him. But if he's doing it because his poll numbers are cratering and his donors are getting skittish and they're okay. like, you need to mix right. things up. Stop suing Disney and figure out how to look like a taller motherfucker. <laughs> and okay. then he puts them in, you know. All right. And isn't he using all his campaign funds to fly around on a private jet? Didn't I read that story as well? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he, he can't, this guy can't interact with the uh, hoi polloi. He can't, he can't interact with anybody really. So he need, he doesn't need to be on a regular plane with people. Yeah, I guess that's He probably true. needs to be on a private jet. So has the 
Ron DeSantis cowboy boot lift conspiracy theory affected his price on predicted.org. Donald Trump trades at 69 cents, down two from 71, maybe because every single person who's ever worked for him is now flipping. Nikki Haley in second place at 15 cents. And then Ron DeSantis, a.k.a. Mr. Waterslide for feet, is trading at 11 cents. Vivek Ramaswamy, man, he's at seven. And where's my friend Tim Scott? That's right, holding steady at one penny per share. That's right. I mean, I I don't think there's been a lot of movement. Haley is seeing good poll numbers in in Iowa. She's moved into second place now, and she is she's not quite in second place in in some of some of these polling averages the race to the white house polling average i think has her at 13% DeSantis at 16 Trump at 46 but she has moved ahead of she's moved ahead of DeSantis on on predicted and it was like a month ago that she did yeah i don't think uh the lifts in his shoes are uh lifting his poll numbers yeah yeah get it yeah, I got it. Okay. Yeah. Here's a joke for everybody. I was driving. Um, I was, I was driving down the highway in Florida. I was going to uh, check out all the local pizza parlors in Florida, and there was a guy standing on the side of the road, and he had his thumb stuck up. I thought, oh, it's a hitchhiker. I'll give him a ride. So I pulled over and I rolled down the window. I said, "Hey, buddy, do you need a lift?" And he said, "No, thanks. I already have two of them. One in each cowboy boot. For I am Governor Ron DeSantis." So I drove on. Yeah, I got that. That would be a good two-person Halloween. If we were going to a Halloween costume party together, John, you know how sometimes people like double up on their costumes or go as a team costume? We could make that joke a Halloween costume. Right. I would drive into the party in my car as if I was driving in Florida and you would be standing on, you would be dressed as Ron DeSantis and you could have some Mm -hmm. funky things on your feet and we could do our joke over and over again all night to the delight of everyone at the party. They'd probably give us more candy corn than any other guest. And we might win first prize in the wacky costume contest. And we would get to bob for apples before the water got all murky and snotty. That's the prize. Uh, yeah. I don't think they're bobbing for apples anymore. Big news uh, in the Republican field, though. One person has seen a lot of movement, and that movement is out of the race. And that person is... Mike Pence. Potential hanging victim, Mike Pence. Yeah, suspended his campaign and uh, dropped out. Audible gasps when uh, he, he, he announced it. Really? The audience, yeah. I guess they were, they were shocked that it was happening. So he's out. So um, if you were uh, had negative risk on, on Mike Pence, I guess he's, he's now at one cent on, on Predicted. A lot of one centers. Biden continues to stay ahead in uh, in the who's going to win the presidential race and also in the dim nominee markets as well. Uh, Newsom is still trading in second place at at 20 cents. That's Gavin Newsom. Yeah. The the governor of California. I don't know. Did you see this video of Gavin Newsom in China? No, I heard he was in China and he was t- I, I saw a headline that said he was promising self-driving flying cars in California at some point. Oh, I did not see that. I'm going to pass oh. on that one. Okay. Yeah. What's the video? What happened? Uh, he was playing basketball with some some little Chinese kids 
and he ran over one of them, <laughs> basically just like this horrible charge. Okay, so maybe World War Three just got cut. one step closer thanks to clumsy Gavin Newsom. Yeah, it was a pretty embarrassing fall, and he he played it off and just sort of picked the kid up. The kid wasn't hurt, but he looked like a total klutz doing that. And it, I immediately jumped on predicted and thought, oh, I got to short him after that because absolutely those type of like embarrassing physical things that happen to candidates sometimes can have an effect, but it did not affect him on predicted. I remember once in college, we used to have winter term where in January you would create your own study project or something for that month. Mm -hmm. And I had a, I've probably talked about this before on our podcast, Election Profit Makers, but one winter term, my project was an isolation project where I just lived completely alone in my dorm room for, I guess, four weeks with no human contact. And I turned off all the clocks and didn't listen to the radio or watch TV and just went into complete isolation mode um, just to see what would happen. And when I emerged from my isolation project, which I had spent just playing computer solitaire and eating cheddar cheese from my dorm fridge, uh, the only thing that had happened was that President Bush had vomited on, I guess, the prime minister of Japan at a state dinner. Yeah, something like that. That's back in the good. Now, see, that's again, peak 90s when nothing really happened all that often. Mm, I feel like some stuff. Happened. Name one thing that happened in the 90s. Now. Name it now. Uh, Ruby Ridge. Okay, you got me on that one. Uh, Waco, okay, the Branch but, Davidian compound. Right, but other Oklahoma than Oklahoma City, what? Oklahoma City. Okay, that's all domestic. I'm talking about international things. Um, the World Trade Center bombing. Still, international, yeah. yeah. Uh, Lockerbie, Scotland. Okay, um, you're forgetting a big one, man. The Balkans, Kosovo. That shit was a mess. Remember all that? Yeah, that's right. That was a lot of stuff going on there. Was that 98? I can't remember. I just remember that once yeah. for Christmas, I asked for that book about the Balkans by, what's his name, Misha Glennie. I could not get through it. That stuff was conf- – anyway, why are, we, why, are we, why are we exhuming our own ignorance from days gone by? Let's move into the future with a bright, happy attitude. Okay. But yeah, these poli- can I just get into these political falls? Can you think or, oh, yeah. or, or embarrassing things? There are a lot of them. And, and so you just thought of one or the the – president vomited. If it has to be a fall, then I would say the president's contents of the president's stomach fell out of his mouth. Right. Okay. And Biden has fallen a number of times off his bike. Right. Yep. Right. Uh, Gerald Ford fell down the steps of his plane a lot. Oh, God. That's a probably lot? Before. Wait, what do you mean? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like he was known as like being a bit of a klutz. George Bush fell on his um what is the the the, the thing that um segway segway oh fell on yeah. his segway yeah and looked kind of and and i also remember in 96 that uh bob dole fell during that campaign did he fall on a segway were they having a segway race no he fell off a stage oh oh boy so it was like one of these it was a stage and what they do with these stages is they put up these railings, but they don't make the railings strong enough that somebody can grab onto the railing and pull themselves onto the stage to attack the president. So it's kind of like a little bit of a Oh, fake. it's like a breakaway railing. Right. But but Dole didn't know that. So he sort of leaned on the breakaway railing. And it broke away? And it broke away and he fell into the crowd. Oh, my God. Yeah. George W. Bush fell down on the job protecting us from 
That's true. That's true. But he did bring democracy to the Middle East in Iraq. So it might have been worth it. Tomato, tomato. Speaking of the Middle East, never mind. Um, <laughs> moving on to... <laughs> Are we, we're taking a pass on Israel and Hamas this week, right? Yeah, I, th- I think... Uh... Except I will say, I read that New York Times analysis of why Israel just completely slept on Hamas and had no idea what was coming. It's a It makes George Bush like... People are like, George Bush let 9-11 happen. I mean, like he got a memo and didn't really act on it. Netanyahu is like 100,000 times worse. It's it's really wild. He really, really? did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I might have to read that. Yeah. yeah Bush, I mean, he screwed up. He screwed up. But, you know, everyone screwed up. Everyone's allowed to make a mistake once in a while, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I make them constantly. You and me both, buddy. Yeah. Um, hey, let's pause for five seconds so each one of our listeners, on the count of three, can announce to themselves a mistake that they've made. One, two, three. And now we're happy to say, dear listener, you are forgiven for making that mistake. All right, what should we talk about next that we've absolved everybody of their sins? Mm. Remember a couple of weeks ago when the New York Times put this article out on uh, the new prediction market company, Manifold Markets, the, didn't they just looked absolutely psycho, these guys? Yeah, there was a big article about prediction markets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Manifold Markets, these guys are kind of crazy. They have, anu- they have announced <laughs> this week that they are going to launch a dating app. Oh, yes. And they say the premise is is simple. It's okay Cupid meets prediction markets, and you bet on who would date who for at least six months. It's crowdsourced matchmaking. We are going to do a slight rebrand with this podcast and start making $10,000 a day. (laughs) I mean- I don't know if this is like a publicity stunt that's just trying to draw people into the other things they're doing. And they actually have a market on whether this this uh, dating website app is even going to work, if whether it will be successful. They created a market that where you bet on the future of their own app that they are making themselves. Yeah, yeah. These guys are. They're these goof- guys are. They're it. just goofing. They they're have to wait. To what's the it. and the and the dating app market. Is, what do you do? You bet on whether relationships are going to work? Yeah, but the thing is, you, you know, people can sign up. So you're going to sign up. It's other prediction market nerds signing up into this dating app. Right. And then like you could sign up and I could sign up. And then I guess we could – somebody could bet on whether we're going to date. Oh, we're definitely – oh, trust. We're definitely going to date. Right, because it's going to be insider trading. You were like, yeah, we are going to date. And also and the chemistry. I mean, we would never be at a loss for things to talk about because we that's talk true. all day, all night. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, yeah, that's right? true. Yeah, that's true. We're the same height. We can share each other's clothes just about. You're a little skinnier than I am. Yeah, I think I think you're a little bit taller than I am. So, What's the name of the dating app? I don't know if it has a name. The Pussy Playground. <laughs> Yeah, it, I mean, it, honestly, it might. It might as well be, right? It, it, you, in that New York Times article, they 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 were at this conference in Berkeley, and one of the markets was, "Will there be an orgy?" Oh, here we go. 
at the conference? Will an orgy happen? I feel like we are compelled to play the erotic bad boy of the week theme song right now. Everybody get naked. Yeah, yeah. Everybody show their buns. Orgy, orgy. It's erotic bad boys of the week. Let's get sexual. Bad boys are number one. Let's fucking suck like crazy tonight. And we're back. One nominee this week, and they've won it already. And they are Manifold Markets, your erotic bad boys of the week. So did they have the orgy? They did. Oh. Yeah, it happened. So there was fucking and sucking aplenty, not for the first time in Berkeley, California. Yeah. Good. All right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I hate to do this. What's up? But I I have to do a UNC football update. Oh, right. Okay. I'm going to lean back and give you cede the floor to you. You know, we haven't really been talking about UNC football because they've been doing so well. They started out 6-0. and They ended up being ranked 10th in the country. And I just didn't really want to get involved because I didn't want to jinx anything. But I kind of knew all along that it was going to end in disaster because it always does because that's Carolina football. And um, last week, they ended up losing at home to Virginia. They were a 24-point favorite and they lost. And this week they went into Atlanta to play Georgia Tech, a place, a team that's also not very good. And after this embarrassing loss to Virginia, you would think that they would bounce back. But I knew and I said on Twitter, so you can see that this was a loss coming and that there was no doubt about that it was going to happen. And it did. Carolina lost after having a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. They have now lost 10 of the last oh no, 11 of the last 13 games in Atlanta. And um, yeah, I expect that the season is probably over and they're going to end up losing uh, most of the games going forward. So really? Yeah. Are you bummed? Yeah, I'm kind of bummed. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Would a fun Halloween costume idea make you feel a little better? Sure. Um. Why don't you cover yourself in staples and say you're a magazine? I won't blame you if you don't feel better. Sorry. Um, you could cover yourselves in newspapers and say you're yesterday's news. Yeah, I could. <laughs> you certainly could. Yeah. You certainly could. Can I give you some more stats about UNC oh, football? Oh, yeah, please, please. Okay. You know, in the last four years, UNC UNC's record – as double-digit favorites in ACC games is six and six. The rest of the ACC is fifty-three and ten. That means that each program in the last four years has had one game where they have lost as a double-digit favorite. UNC has lost six games, so that's kind of depressing, right? Is it interesting? Interesting. Good, good stat. Am I supposed to think it's depressing or interesting? Because I don't have the bandwidth to think it's both. It's both. It's both. Um, it's de- it's depressing. Yes. In UNC's last five losses, it has held a 10-point second-half lead in four of them. Mm. And Georgia Tech's 635 yards of total offense are the third most ever allowed by UNC in an ACC game and the seventh most all time. And Georgia Tech's 635 yards were its second most versus a Power 5 opponent in school history. What is a Power 5 opponent? That sounds cool. Power 5 are the the major conferences. 
Okay, the the Pac-12, which is being disbanded, so it's really a Power Four by next year. But Pac-12, Big Ten, Big Twelve, ACC, SEC. Those are your Power Five. Got it. Okay, that's it. Thanks, everybody. No more. That's probably going to be the last one ever. <laughs> Never talking about UNC football again. Oh, boy. Do you want to do some of this Hollywood update? Let me do a quick Hollywood update. Some people might find this kind of interesting. I spent the month of October doing some filmic research. I decided to watch as many classic film noir movies as I could. It was really, really fun. And I just wanted to celebrate this cultural deep dive by listing the film noirs that I watch. And I would love to know from our listeners, how many of these have you seen? Here we go. 1934, The Man Who Knew Too Much. Now, some of these technically are probably not film noirs according to a strict definition of the genre, but I'm listing everything that I watched in this splurge. The Man Who Knew Too Much from 1934, The Woman in the Window from 1944, The Lady Vanishes from 1938, The Phantom Lady from 1944, which I loved, Rebecca from 1940, Mildred Pierce from 1945, Double Indemnity from 1944, Sudden Fear from 1952, which John is a pretty good tape recorder movie if we ever do a tape recorder movie club on Patreon. Shadow of a Doubt from 1943, Out of the Past from 1947. This is one of my favorites because of Robert Mitchum, who I love now. In a Lonely Place from 1950, Night of the Hunter from 1955, also Robert Mitchum. The Big Sleep from 1946. This is probably the film noir of all film noirs. The Big Heat from 1953, The Big Steel from 1949, Scarlet Street from 1945, Murder My Sweet from 1945. No, sorry. Murder My Sweet is from 1944. I apologize for that misstatement. That was a good one. Kiss Me Deadly from 1955, Elevator to the Gallows, which is French from 1958, and then a 70s film noir that my friend Alan recommended, Mikey and Nikki, which would also be a great two-person Halloween costume. So thanks to all these wonderful film noir filmmakers for making these wonderful movies that I enjoyed during the spooky and dark month of October. Film noir. That is over 20 films. Yeah, that it went you crazy. Watched. I really tried to make a habit of it. So it was just every day, pretty much. I tried to watch, watch one a day. One. Yeah. I didn't do it every day because it's too much, but I tried. But it was close. Yeah. And you had to pay for every single one of those? I had to pay $100. I don't think I was getting a good price, but I paid $100 per movie. I'm just kidding. Some of them oh, are free. Okay. Some of oh, them are just okay. like on the internet archive because they're out of they're in public domain. Some of them yeah. are on Canopy, the wonderful public library system film streaming site. Right. Some of them were on um, HBO, and then some of them I paid for on iTunes. John, we got an update from listener Dark Corey, the guy who's too cool to listen to our podcast directly and only happens to overhear it when his girlfriend is listening to it. Shall I read this to you, or do you want to? Sure. Read it? No, no, you you can read it. Corey says, thank you for responding to my email about the Pittsburgh skyline. John makes a valid point about metropolitan statistical areas being the gold standard and a more accurate measure than the city proper. City proper can indeed be arbitrary, especially if the region allows annexing. For example, Houston does and is over 400 square miles. Philadelphia does not and will only ever be 135 square miles. However, it is not always perfect in dense regions. For example, Trenton, New Jersey is included in the New York metropolitan statistical area based on commuting patterns, any Philadelphian will find that ridiculous as it is dramatically closer to Philadelphia than New York City, 33 miles versus 60 miles center to center. Another thing to consider 
is that the size of an MSA doesn't necessarily represent the robustness of a skyline or downtown. For example, Detroit's MSA is 4.4 million. However, commercial and residential development have been fleeing the city for decades and centering in the burbs, whereas Charlotte has been thriving. Well, why is that my problem? Hold on, let me finish. This, okay. guy, this guy is obviously dressing yeah, up why as you for okay. Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Therefore, its skyline is generally weak when compared to other MSAs and regional GDPs of similar size. I suspect, totally agree. Okay, let me finish, please. Okay, all right, all right. I suspect the best measure would be some combination of MSA, population density, and GDP. Hopefully, someone develops this measure someday. I love talking about this stuff. P.S., he continues breathlessly, a really interesting concept is media markets. Some suggest that a media market is truly how a region identifies with sports, news, etc. It's a fun thought experiment when considering skylines. P.P.S. I think your podcast, oh, listen, this is quite interesting. I think your podcast is quite good because I love politics, skylines, music, and estate sales. I have to give my girlfriend credit for introducing me to it. Thank you. Dark Corey. John. Yeah. This guy's given you a lot to think about. Have you ever considered media markets? No, he certainly is. Yeah, I agree with most of it, and I love media markets as well. I'm obsessed with them. I don't know if it's a good measure always because some, like annexation and city proper, where a city may be located on the edge of a state, and so those they can't have population numbers in, in the neighboring state, you've got places like Miami, which is located at the end of Florida and right on the coast. So half of their broadcast media market is fish and fish don't count. Oh my so, God. I can't believe you're out here saying fish don't count. Yeah. They don't, they don't count in the media market and by Nielsen anyway. And so if you were to look at Miami's television market, it's actually smaller than Tampa. And I believe it's smaller than Orlando as well. And both of those, and Miami is definitely a much bigger city and MSA than those two. But I like that. The most interesting thing that he said was the- Was that he liked our podcast after all. Yes. And that he was interested in maybe- coming up with a, a measurement that had MSA, population density, and GDP. I'd never thought about GDP. Mm. GDP, of course, stands for gross domestic product. That's right. So that you would sort of get a pass if you didn't have a lot of you know, Fortune 500 companies based there. Hmm. Much to consider, much to yeah. prey upon. Yeah. Thanks, Dark Corey. Thanks, Dark Corey. That might be yeah. a good Halloween costume. You dress up as a guy. It's another classic two-person costume. One of you is a girl, and you have a Bluetooth speaker. And the other one of you is a guy who's feigning indifference to the incredible knowledge that's coming out of the Bluetooth speaker and pretending like you don't really care about it. And then you admit you love it more than anything you've <laughs> ever heard. And people are like, who are you? And you say, I'm Dark Gory, of course. May I have yeah. some cotton candy. I, I guess people don't give out cotton candy for Halloween, but that would be a real power move. If you had yeah. a cotton candy machine going and all the kids walked out of your house with cotton candy, because cotton candy is not very sticky and messy. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice set. Uh, yeah. I would hand out spaghetti. I would just hand out big spoonfuls of spaghetti. I think mm-hmm. that would be good. 
Although with spaghetti, you know, I shouldn't dismiss the connection between spaghetti and Halloween because you know when you're a kid and you're and you go to a a, a scary party oh, where you close yeah. your eyes and they pass stuff around, they're like, and now you're touching eyeballs, and they're like peeled grapes. Yeah, and then they would then you would touch spaghetti and they would say it was a brain. What is that? What they would say, or was it just guts? I don't know what it was, but there was definitely spaghetti. There's always touched. spaghetti at one of those spooky touching parties. Yeah. Was it cold or warm? Uh, it would probably work better warm because it would be warm like the inside of your body. You could say it was like your yeah. intestines or something, right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it would just be – you know, actually, can I tell a really random story? I don't think I've ever mentioned this on the podcast. You know the rapper Cool Keith? No. Well, he's a rapper and he always puts out albums under different aliases like Dr. Octagon and Fly Ricky the Wine Taster and all this stuff. He's a great rapper. And years ago – Someone knew that I love Cool Keith because I used to talk about him when I would do live events and I would show this amazing website where all his personas were listed. And someone from Cool Cool Keith was putting out a new Dr. Octagon record. He was finally going to release a follow-up to his seminal album, Dr. Octagon. And someone from the record label reached out to me and said, we know you love Cool Keith. We thought maybe you could write the liner notes for this record or help us with like the press package or something. And I said, that would be a great honor. I think Cool Keith is like one of the most innovative MCs of all time and also a really interesting person. So they said, I said, I need to interview him so we can talk about this record and how he sees it going and the new chapter in Dr. Octagon's career. So I have somewhere among my many cassette tapes and me talking to Cool Keith at length about his life. And his conviction that everyone in rap had stolen all of his ideas, including Outkast. He thought Andre 3000 stole his entire shtick, dressing up crazy and stuff. And one thing that Cool Keith said to me that really stuck with me because I thought it was so interesting was he said, he said, you know, I grew up in the projects and you see things in the projects no one else, is, no one else sees. He said, one time I was walking down the sidewalk and someone just threw a bunch of spaghetti out the window. That's my Cool Keith story. So think on that spaghetti. Yeah. Spaghetti. Listen to the numbers and watch out for the spaghetti. All right. And now I'm going to tie it back to peak 90s. Flying spaghetti monster. The church of the flying spaghetti monster. Remember that shit? Boing, boing, yeah. dot net. They were pushing <laughs> that so hard. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Remember, you okay. would see some flying spaghetti monster bumper sticker on a car in Berkeley, and you'd be like, that person's going to the prediction market orgy. I can tell. Yeah. Or then they all have like col- like lettuce colanders on their head or something. Why is everything got to be so goddamn fucking wacky all the time? <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> okay, we have another we have we have one more person. Let's do one more that, person and then let's go trick or treating. Okay. Eric writes in, "Hi fellows, I figure once uh I figure once you're done with your several weeks off in the podcast, you'll have a pretty full inbox to get through, but I'm curious to hear John's opinion of this article that he links to in the Charlotte Observer, it is about a sign that they are going to put up on a building in Charlotte. And he writes, when Truists hoisted their ugly ass signs up on the building in downtown Charlotte, they were ridiculed. But here comes Wells Fargo to do the same thing. No renderings on what the sign would look like, but it would presumably be the standard Wells Fargo font on their bank signs. Would it be bright red logo? Who knows? Anyway, does this make a meaningful impact on a city skyline, having huge, ugly logo signs at the top of all the iconic buildings? I never cared much for the Truist building. Anyway, to me, it's always been evocative of one of those stylized, angular vampire coffins looming over downtown. I disagree with that. But 
Then he writes, I'm not eager to see this huge sign trend continue on more of Charlotte's most recognizable buildings. Okay, I have a few thoughts on this. I generally don't like signs on buildings as well. However, I think it is acceptable in cases where the sign is part of the original proposal of the building. It's like, we're building this building and this sign is going to be part of it. I see. Okay. In that case, I think it, it, it makes more sense. The architect is involved. It's a more aesthetically pleasing. In the case of Truist, that building was not designed for signage. They added that signage later. It was originally called the Hearst Tower when, and then when Tr- Truist bought it, it, they decided to put their signage up and, and it looks terrible and it's too big and it makes the building look uh, smaller and it just hurts the skyline. And also they have this terrible lighting that makes it look like it's a strip club. It's just horrible. I hate it. Okay. This Wells Fargo putting their sign up, this building was not designed to have signage. It should not be allowed to have uh, a sign up there. And, and I know, I mean, I know they own their building, but in, in, in certain cases like this, if it wasn't originally designed to have a sign up there, I don't think it should. But they probably are going to get it because they're going to point to Truist and say they got it. What do you think about the Sitco sign in Boston? That's an old, iconic sign. Yeah, I have no problem with that. Okay. All right. No, no problem with that. Uh, yeah, I, def- I definitely don't have problems with signs at street level and stuff like that. Surely no one it, does. It can be – it's not always great. I mean, you don't see a lot of signage on in cities that are comfortable in their identity. Whoa. You know, you don't – there isn't a lot of signage in New York. Mm, there's a lot of signage in New York. On top of buildings? Oh, I see. On top of There's the buildings? There's some. Right. You know, the, the famously, the Pan Am building had some signage, and I think Travelers maybe has a has a big sign, but there's not a ton of it. Okay. So, yeah. Those are, those are my thoughts on the signs. I love hearing your thoughts on the signs. Um, hmm? I actually know some people that um, are going to do everything they can to make sure it doesn't happen. We'll have to, we'll have to keep abreast of that and all other breaking news. Yeah. John, the sun is setting and that means it's time to go trick-or-treating, so I need to go cover myself in human excrement so that I can fulfill my costume as the year 2023 and you need to go as Dark Cory because he's obviously going as you because the two of you are the same person. I'm now convinced I've never seen the two of you in the same place at the same time. So John, why don't you give a classic Halloween read to our farewell credits, our end of show credits. Election Profit Makers is an independent production. We welcome your support on Patreon at patreon.com slash election profit makers. And if you sign up for Patreon, you'll receive some wonderful EPM stickers in the mail. And you'll also get an invite code to our private Discord. <laughs> Send your election prediction questions, skyline request, and bird recordings, if we're still doing that, to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. And if you want to advertise with us, email contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.